do more than just read. Um, and so I think this will be good for us. It's, um, we're going to be in chapter 7, starting in 7 um, tonight. And um, I'll give you a little history about <clears throat> how I've learned to study. Uh, one was my old uh, professor, associate pastor, very, very, very extremely knowledgeable guy. And when I went to ministry school 20 years ago, I was just, I was just taken back about how much he knew. I mean, I loved it. I loved sitting him under him. I loved going to his Sunday school class. Uh, I mean, there was, I, I just loved being around him. I mean, it's Pastor Sims, Mark Sims, and I love this guy. Very intelligent, and um, so that just inspired me to really want to understand the Bible and really just dig into it and just see what it offered. I mean, it's just oftentimes we, we just very barely scratch the surface of what they're talking about. And, and we, we, we read things sometimes out of context and out of orders, and, and we really can, can get off the path that God has designed their scriptures and the way they're uh, uh, put together for that reason. And so we're going to talk about that tonight, and and we're gonna we're gonna look at um, we're gonna s- study some stuff. We're gonna jump right here in Exodus, and that'll be in chapter seven. And and we all know Exodus is Exodus, yeah, you know, the Jewish people, Israelite people, aren't Jews yet. Jews are just a name from what we get the tribe of Judah. Um, so uh, they were not called Jews. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just something. People don't know, but that's okay. That's why we learn. And so tonight we're going to study about studying. And how, how many of y'all, well, most of us probably went to college and, and took a class on, especially it was, it's pretty popular when I, I went in, which was uh, 1999, went to college, my first, uh, 98. Um, I, I literally took a class on how to, like, study. Because they didn't teach us that in high school. I mean, they didn't, you know, when, when teacher went, that was going to be on the test. No one told me that. What well, kind of nonsense, you know. So you have teachers knocking on chalkboards, and I'm like, you got Tourette's? I mean, I don't know what's going on here. So I didn't understand what, what and so I learned a lot then. And that's when, remember when speed reading was a thing? They were really into that. That messed me up so bad because my eyes can scan so fast, my brain just could not computed out of my mouth and I'm just like oh this is horrible so it was uh, a you could retain a lot of information for a short amount of time and then you would just dump it but that's the opposite of what we want to do with the scriptures we want to take a large amount and we want to remember it Um, I think I've said this before that you know uh, the best way to remember something is to put it in story form there's universities out there that spend millions and millions of dollars that the Bible has already created that form, and it works, and it works very good. So if you want your kids to remember something, take the content of it, put it in a story, tell them that story, and I guarantee you, even from their a small age, they will remember what you've said. And so, uh, like little Johnny washing dishes. Yeah, I'm going to use that one on my kids later. Little Johnny was washing dishes in his home. 
be like little Johnny. <laughs> so, all right, let's jump into this. Uh, does anybody know what hermeneutics is? We use it all the time. We just don't really understand what it is. It's, it's the knowledge of interpretation. Okay, so when I'm reading the Bible, hermeneutics is what I'm doing. I'm interpreting everything I read. Okay, you have one or two ways to go about this. You can view it on how you want to perceive things, all right? Or you can take it as a fact of how it's being perceived, okay? Um, those um, exo-Jesus, iso-Jesus, is how the Bible is, is being perceived. One is how we look at it and take it, or how is God trying to prescribe it to us. So, and that's a that's another prescription versus um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it just jumped out of my head. Should have put in a story. That would have been that would have been better. <laughs> so, let's see here. Let me see if I have a note on it. Nope, not right now. So we have <clears throat> every book we take into account has some kind of history to it, right? So we look at the Bible and we look at all our 66 books and we understand that uh, we look at uh, Psalms right off the bat. Well, Psalm was actually three different books put into one book. But how do we know that unless we break down the scriptures? I mean, we didn't get chapters and verses until a little over 500 years ago. And so what I tell people when they're studying the Bible is never, never take a verse by itself. Never. That's what we call out of context. And, and, and we lose the ability to context the content so we have the meat right out of the context of what it should be taken in so I mean that's that's unfortunately that's what we see a lot of today and there's a lot of examples and crunching toes is not what I like to do but Jeremiah 29 11 there's I have a whole book of verses that are just totally destroyed out of context many 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 and so uh, you have these verses that are not prescribed to you okay we have verses in the Bible that are historical that are that is that is there for our um, for our benefit to be understood somebody flipped to first Corinthians chapter 10 and it should be verse 11 pretty sure it's 11. Can you read that? Maybe with the microphone. 10, 10, verse 11. I am, I am glued into my... Alright, for check, check, check. This one's not on. 
We have no mic. I'm here. It's not on up there. Give me a second. If anybody can fix it, DJ is you. Say First Corinthians. Check, check, check. Yeah. Corinthians, you said 10, 11? 10, 10, 11. All right. It says, uh, these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages have, have come. All right. So what is, what is the writer in 1 Corinthians saying? <clears throat> he said, things, these things are written down for us. For our benefit, for us to understand what what is going on, the, the very nature of God and who He is, that's why these things were written down. I mean, it's talking about idol, uh, idolatry right here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it says, "For I, d I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all." And all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. All right. That's right. They, they were baptized in that. And they were baptized in that Exodus, Exodus lifestyle. And so God many times will write down. I mean, you take David, for example. Was, was what David did prescribed to us? What he did to Bathsheba? Well, no. I mean, the Bible don't go out there and say, hey, go commit adultery. So does that tell us that the Bible is used for our knowledge and our understanding more than it is our, the prescription of it in certain cases? Well, absolutely. That means we can take and learn from their stories that do not apply to our life. But there's, then there's some verses in the Bible that are absolutely prescribed to us that says, hey, go and do this every single time. Okay, so we look at scriptures and we look at them in such a way that says, hey, stop for a second. and says, hey, am I reading this in context that says, is this for me? Or is this about them? What is this about? 
So the, the word is, it, we use stop, and that's, hey, what is the situation of the story? What is the situation? Who, who, who's there? What, what is going on? So let's take Exodus now. So now we have Exodus 7, and we're going to do this together. So Moses and Aaron goes before Pharaoh, all right? So what is the, what is the content or what is the situation of, uh, of Exodus by itself, right? The children fleeing to the promised land, all right? So in a nutshell, the going out, the word Exodus literally means the going out, uh, which is fitting for the book. Um, it's 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 what it is. It's the going out. So what's the situation? The situation is they're going out. So we have a a massive historical movement. So who is our our main, especially the first part we're we're getting into? Who is our main three uh, personnel that we see? We have Moses. We have Aaron. And who's the third participant? Pharaoh, okay, which is, which is who? What's his name? No, not King Tut. <laughs> Ramesses the second. All right. When when I look at people, I want to know why, and so I want to see if we can do this. I want to take a second. I want you to. Google, or if you have applications on your phone, I want you to try to find out what Ramesses means. And I will see if I can. <laughs> Siri just went out. Born of Ra, so that's that's one. Anybody else getting anything? The place. Built, uh, they, they definitely built Ramesses. It was a place. Son of the sun. Okay, that's Rod, the sun god. Ra. So now we're getting somewhere. So, yep, born of Ra. Okay. Now look at the word Moses. And look at the word Ramosis. Mm -hmm. 
So look at the word Moses. Look at the word Ramosis. found it yet so what, what is the what is the parallels that you see between the word Moses or Moshe and then Ramesse Moshe being the Hebrew name of of Moses Mount Mount Sinai Sinai they, they call it the mountain of Moses So Moses means son of, okay? Moses means son of. What do you think Ramosis means? Son of Ra, right? Why does Moses not have any prefix to his name? Moses is a Egyptian name, but why does not his name have a prefix to it or a surname? Not because of his bloodline. Remember what happened? What happened to Moses? Okay, so so what? Well, that's the Hebrew name. What it that the, um, the Hebrew meaning to it? But what happened? How how did Moses get found? He was drew up out of the Nile, right? He was found. Pharaoh's daughter, named him son of. I don't know. We're just gonna call him Moshe, son of what? We don't know. He's just son of. So when they said Moses, Moshe, they said son of. We don't know. As an Egyptian, they didn't know who his father was. So they said, Moshe, son of what? They understand what Ramesses was. He was the son of Ra. He was their God. He was a deity. When you become Pharaoh, you become their God. But Moses didn't have a name. So they called him son of. So now you see how God takes the son of the guy under Pharaoh and says, I'll make you the son of, of me. That is amazing to see the covenant of God with Moses that he makes him who he is just by 
of what happened. And so this is why we, we study these names and, and try to get it. Um, the meaning, historical meaning, and the structure behind um, of, of this Exodus story because this adds a lot of depth to it that we most normally do not see. So now you're seeing the, the deity movement in the story right off the bat. All right. Anybody else got anything? Y'all want to add to that? I love it when stuff like this happens because the spirit will get them moving and, and start teaching stuff that we don't absolutely know yet. Let's roll on. All right. So we know in the um, in Exodus, right off the bat, that we have Moses kills a man, right? And he flees. He flees to where? Midian. Midian. Right. Flees to Midian. Do what? At the well. That's right. Now what happens? What happens at at Midian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That's right. All right. And then as Moses was, and who was well Jethro? We know. Um, he was the priest of Midian. All right. Um, Midian was not a godly place so he was some kind of pagan priest that was was could have been very influential to Moses uh, he could have asked certain questions or tried to persuade Moses to be a part of his cult or, or whatever you have uh, if you read here we're going to chapter 3 right fast so now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law's Jethro the priest of Midian and he fled and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God All right. and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of a fire out in the midst of the bush he looked down and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And so Moses now, he sees something that's just out of place. In verse 3, it says, And Moses said, I will turn aside and see what this great sight is. Why is the bush not burning? And the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see. So God saw his curiosity. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, and he said, here I am. All right. So this shows me that Moses is not a fearful man. If somebody was to speak to me out of a burning bush, my first instinct may not to be here I am. It might be to hold my 
bodily functions together. Um, and so this is telling, telling a story inside of a story. And so Moses is curious, and he's like, I'm going to figure out what this is. God calls to him, and he says, here I am. And he said, do not come any near, or don't come closer. Take off your sandals. So, for the place you are standing is holy ground. All right. So, we can all take the totality of the Bible and wherever God is, it's holy. All right. Why, why did God say, take off your sandals? Did they take it off? Was it a commandment not to wear sandals in the tabernacle? Was it a commandment not to wear your sandals? Your sandals, well, that's what they wore, sandals. Was it a commandment not to, or a law, not to wear your sandals in synagogues or the temple? No? So why not on the mountain? God, God described a place for them to meet in the tabernacle, in, in the synagogues, in, the, in these places that he set for them to come and commune with him. But yet when Moses on the mountain alone he says, take off your sandals. What's the difference? Well, it's holy ground, but the tabernacle is holy. Yeah, but God's presence resided as well in the tabernacle. Right between the two cherubim. Tabernacle did move. That's right. Come on. Right. It will always be God's mountain. Yeah. His place, his special place that he he did so much there. Very much so. Yeah. Um, My thought. It doesn't move. That's right. Um, Yeah. If you want a a good, um, I don't know how many years ago that I've come across these people. Um, it's called Mountain of Fire. You can YouTube it. Um, um, what's his name? Um, Bob Cornuke is the main guy. Uh, they they were sent out to find uh, Mount Sinai, and so the traditional Mount Sinai was a Hellenistic movement that just did not fit the bill. Um, historically, geographically, I mean, it just just does not fit. Um, I mean, I've never, well, I've been right beside Egypt. I've never been to Egypt, uh, but I have roamed that ground quite a bit. And it just, eh, just looking at the topography, it just don't, it don't make sense uh, that Mount Sinai would be in the traditional place of where the traditional Mount Sinai was. Uh, but what, if you go home and, and, and read that, look up Bob Cornuke and watch those videos and, and you will get lost in it for days. It is, it is outstanding research that is backed very well. And so, so let's get back, verse 5. And then he says, do not come near. Take off your sandals off your feet. Take your sandals off your feet. For this place which you're standing is holy ground. All right. There's a difference between holy ground and a holy place. The tabernacle was a holy place. But God called the mountain. It was 
it was a, a holy ground. The area that you stood was ground. So who made Moses? Please don't say his mama and daddy. Who made Moses? Echoway, right? Echoway right? made God. Who made the mountain? God. Who made the sandals? Don't say God. <laughs> Man made the sandals. Moses is walking up accidentally on the holy ground and runs into God. And God stops him and he says, take off which was unholy because what I'm about to do is going to make you holy. Sandals, not the holy part. He said, take off the man-made stuff, put it to the side, and come and meet me. Okay? So what God's doing in our life every day. This right here is why we study the Bible. This is why here there's so much meat and potatoes and just so much but you have to slow down you have to see what God is trying to prescribe to your life just like a doctor that writes a prescription that's where they get the word prescription from it's prescribed to your life and that's what God is trying to do here in all these situations we have to slow down and we have to take it in context what is going on and so we figure out what what type of reading most people love poetry books. I'm not big on our poetry manuscripts that we have. I read them. I study them. It's just not my flow. I'm, I'm more of a historical type reader. I just That's just who I am. Um, law is another thing. I love to study the law. I could skip all of Isaiah. I could skip half of Jeremiah. I could skip a lot of those poetic books and just bypass them. Not, not that that's not good. That's just who I am as, as, as me. I, I don't read that way, and that's why I think God is. There's so much context in the Bible, content in the Bible, that we can, because back in the day, nobody had these. Nobody had books like we have today. I mean, it wasn't until the printing press, and they fought and died for that to get, for Bibles to get out. I mean, because, uh, I mean, other than the Latin Vulgate, nobody had a Bible, because Rome had their claws into that thing. They wanted to keep people stupid, and they did a very good job at it. And William Tyndale gave his life for it. Now, they straight up killed him for it. Because he wanted to make a print and wanted to get out, and they absolutely crucified him for it. And so, um, take the time and look hit him name up. Um, Tyndale, there's, um, what's the other guy's name? Um, I'll put, anyway. So, we have to slow down and, and, and read this thing. So we get now that God wants to remove the unholy from Moses' life. Okay. And it says Moses, hang on. 
said, Lord, you're, you're standing on holy ground. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. What is, what is God doing here right now? God is establishing him as the father or, or the God of his fathers. That's a big deal. He's not saying, hey, I'm just any God. I am the God of your lineage. Okay? He is separating now between, because Moses grew up with what? A lot of gods. So God literally has to come back and say, listen, I am this guy. I'm not all the other guys. I'm this one. Okay? He didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm the one. No, he's, he's describing who he is. And he says, watch what happens. And Moses hid his face. Why? Because he understood who he was talking about. Because the stories never stopped. But the daily, the daily life in, in Egypt didn't either. I guarantee you that the Israelites grew up with the stories. But it had been how long? 400 years before God had done anything. Do you think that generation is emptied of the Spirit of God? Absolutely. They hadn't heard of him. They hadn't done nothing. No prophet has came. Nothing has happened. God brought them to that land, dropped them off, and deserted them. That's what they feel. You see this in the text. You see it in the Exodus. What did they say? We're going to get there. I'm going to get ahead. All right. So establishing who he is, all right? Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then God said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people that are in Egypt, and I've heard the cry because of their taskmasters. Task, taskmasters. Um, for I know their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them out. All right. So, and then Moses has the old, you know, pitiful me moment in his life, and, you know, And this is, I think, yeah, right here in 14, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is, Ekwe, Ashir, Ekwe. That's what that is in Hebrew. And it literally means, I am who I am. Or, I am who I will be. Um, but that's where we get the change. In some, in some names. And we won't get into that today because that's, that, that goes on for another hour. Um, but you can do that. Go, go. I want you to go and, and look up what that means in, in Hebrew. I am who I am. Um, and, and try to understand that because uh, that will give you a, a pretty good insight on why they changed the name of God. So they didn't call him what God said to, to call him exactly. They changed it some. And so, uh, and it wasn't long after that, they were like, it's too holy to say. So they just said Elohim. Well, Elohim is just the word God. It's not It's not Jehovah. It's not Echway. It's not the proper name that we should use. I mean, yeah, it is, it's not that name. So they changed it. Um, if you've ever uh, been into a synagogue, 
you'll see the word G underscore D. They wouldn't even write it out. It's too holy to write out. Even the common name of, um, of God, they, they won't fully write it out. And they've done that for a long, long time. So here we go. Moses giving the signs, all right? Right, Adonai. Right, yep. Yep, Yahovah. So, yep, and that's where they, they replace that with the word Adonai, which literally is yeah, just the common name of, of Lord. That's right. It's, it's, not, it's not his name. It's just a generic, a generic name. Uh, it'd almost be like, well, my name is Daniel, but I'm going to call you Guy. But that's, that's pretty, <laughs> okay, call me guy. So I'm the guy, so no. But I am still Daniel, I'm just called the guy. So who's the guy? Well, there's a lot of guys here. You see the miscon, you see how this can go really wrong really fast? Yeah. Let me tell you, it did. Yeah, it did go wrong really fast. You go out on these streets and you say God, and they're going to be like, which one? No. I'm talking about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. They were like, the biblical God. Yeah, that guy. They understand what that means. God established his lineage right to Moses, right off the bat. He said, nothing else. Right off the bat. He said, this is who I am. What do we do when we meet each other? We greet each other, and we say our name. That is a holy invitation to have a personal relationship to one another. Explaining who you are to that person. Very personal. And God shows that in his example and what somewhat prescribes that to us in a way that we should do to our brothers and sisters, uh, especially in our house that we have. And we shouldn't be strangers here. Not at all. And so... Here we go, chapter 4. And, and God's giving him these, these miracles, all right? The first one is the staff, all right? Throws it to the ground and becomes a serpent. This right here is a big deal. We're going to probably maybe jump right into it. Oh, let me think about this. Let's do that. All right, the staff. The staff, all right. Turns into a what? A snake, okay. I don't know that the snake more than likely could have been a cobra. And I'll tell you why in a minute. All right. Um, so I want y'all to start Googling Egyptian gods. Just go ahead and, and just go there because we're fixing the. Uh, you're going to see a lot of stuff, and I hope it's new to you. Yes. Yep. Over two thousand. Yep. 
That's nothing compared to like Indy. Well, they got 40,000, 40, 400,000. It's a lot. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's so, it's so many that I can't even, it's like, man, try to make that many people happy. You can't do that. I figured that out when I got married. It's hard to make one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good things not to change. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so let me jump down. See if somebody can find the snake one. Um, it's it's not it's not one of the the main five it's um it's it's more <sighs> is that it okay so some somebody now let me see if i can do it real fast Photos of Pharaoh. Okay. Bah. Get out of that. Yep. Sign of what? You got it. Yep. This is amazing. All right, I'm going to turn this around so you can see that. All right. So, snake, snake. Sign of deity right there. Boom. Means he's in charge. That is, that is his scepter. That is his staff. That is his, his staff had a serpent on it. Uh, I was trying to find one. Um, his royal staff. There's a couple that he that he that they had. Um, um, I was trying to remember if Anubis had the same one, uh, the god of death, or the underground. Um, trying to find that. So why why do you think Moses' staff now is is turning into a snake? Come on now, hey, what's up? We getting places now, baby. All right. 
All right, so right here in uh, start of seven. All right, and then verse 12, it says, For each man cast down his staff, and they became a, uh, became a serpent. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Hmm. So what is God doing right off the bat? He's saying, your gods are horrible. My one ate up all yours. Imagine what a sight that will be. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he wouldn't listen to him. The next step, what happened next? I, I don't think you can make a stick of hay with your staff and cast it to me and use the other hand. Guarantee they didn't. No, because what happened right off the bat? God dethroned them. He said, I take everything from you right now. That should have been the biggest just man it should have been an aha moment to the max yep yes that's right that's right so what is this what is, what is a um now we'll get there yeah let's go ahead and carry it. so what 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 happens when uh, the children of Israel complain against God. And he told, told Moses to do what? Make a staff and put a what around it? Serpent around it. Or snake. And then whoever, what? Looked upon it should live. Right. My sovereignty still reigns. God's doing something. Don't miss it. Don't don't miss it in these things. All right? So God's sovereignty just swallowed up everything else. He said, no, these ain't God's. All right, so let's roll right into verse 14. All right? Whoa, dude, it's already 6.55? Oh, my gosh. We have not even got started. Okay, okay. Well, let's go for a f- couple of minutes and we can... Yes. Y'all, y'all dig into this and then I want some angles. All right. Yeah, let's just stop there. That way we can... Um, we can, man, it'll be really good next week. Um, so I want you to understand the 10 plagues. I want you to... The 10 plagues. I want you to understand the Egyptian gods and how... God overcome them, every single one of them, and that's what he did, okay? God took every single one of their gods and dethroned every one of them, all right? And then I'm going to come with a different angle and why that happened, okay? So understand the ten plagues, the Egyptian gods that Egypt worships and how God dethroned every one of them with a plague, okay? So the first one, The most important one. So, yeah. No, no, no. The the first plague is the yeah the the blood. Uh, I'm saying that's that's the most important one. And the one as you get digging in it, your brain's gonna be like, oh, I got this, you know. And so I love that. And uh, 
Did y'all enjoy this? Yeah. I, I love this. Like, I love studying the Bible and just digging in it and just. It is, and it is, and because God, God can, when we take the time and sit before the Lord and try to understand what He wants to say, He's going to speak. He's going to reveal Himself. Too many times in the Bible, God says, hey, if you're willing, I'm ready. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And whoever answers it, I'll come in and I'll eat with you and you'll eat with me. What does that mean? We're going to have communion. That's why I love communion. Communion to me is the biggest part of my life. More than anything. Besides God and communion. I mean, they, I, I want to commune with God. That's, that's it. That's why I wake up every day. You know, everything else is just a bonus in my life. But God is, he is the key to it all. And that's what I want. And that's why I enjoy studying the Bible and getting to know God and his attributes and through this and just having having that understanding is just I, I love it, and so has anybody got anything to add? So I just think it's crucial that we pray before um, we start reading because. Um, you know, at different times, God's got different uh, messages for us, and sometimes it will come out in his word, mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just an understanding of what we're reading, and and also asking God and, and being excited, like, God, you know, what, what mysteries are we going right. to, you know, are going to mm -hmm. come alive today for me, or what, what do you want me to understand today, or just help me to understand. Right. Um, and, and like you said, when you're reading scriptures, you know, you just don't grab a scripture, but like literally you got to what book are you reading in? What do you know about that book? Right. You know, and does that apply to me now? Does that apply to them? Mm. Or God, what can I learn from this? You right. know, in this modern day, even though it was back then. Sure. You know, that kind and, of thing. And that's where, that's where I always say never, never take a scripture by itself. That's, that's part of the hermeneutics understanding is, is can we read something and apply it to our life? Absolutely. Can I use that scripture to back it up? No. Why? Because it was not written for me in my own prayer closet at that time. Okay. I don't want to get into that tonight. I want to leave you that because it would be like, oh, I don't believe that. Well, there's many, 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 many cases in the Bible where so many scriptures are taken out of context. Can we make it look good? Absolutely. We can make it sound good. But that was not the context or that was not the implications of what God had it there for. Yes, ma'am. Oh, yes. and use it toward to, to benefit their religion oh, absolutely. versus what's really being what we're supposed to really get out of that yep. and I love that God does that because that's what makes it so exciting like 
if I can't understand it and I can't get into this door, God, help me find another door to get into where I can understand it more. And that's where right. you have the layers. That's where you can go deep. And it's yep. exciting. It's it like is exciting. It's one of the most exciting books on the planet. That, it is it's the incredible. most exciting book on the planet. I, I love it. I mean, number one bestseller. So. It is. Like I could be in a situation and reading the Hebrew Bible, and God will throw something at me through reading the scripture that is just His rainbow words. And he's right. And it doesn't mean I go teach it. Right. That's what, that's what it means. It's just that's how God spoke to me mm-hmm. about it. But a lot of people will go, "Oh, that that was for that, but now I can teach it that." Way. Right. No, 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 no. You can't. Or you, or that situation. That's just heaven talking to that's you, right. and that's okay. I mean, there's. So that's that's a that's a word from God directly for you. That is. When you read scripture, you just feel it. You get a word from the scripture. Um, that's God, because you read that scripture. God spoke to you while you were reading that scripture, um, and He gave you a word about that through the scripture. It might relate to something in your mind, in your heart, something you've been praying about. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean go teach that scripture, because God gave you a rainbow word about it. It just means that's what it meant. You were looking for an answer. You were praying for an answer, and he gave you an answer while you were reading that scripture. He applied it to your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that doesn't mean that that's the context of that. Yeah, bro. It's an emotional book. I, I can kind of have emotions sometimes when I'm when I'm in it. <laughs> it's an emotional book, and I get emotional pretty easy here since I've lost all my family. <laughs> you can talk without this. Bless you, brother. Glad to have you, man. That's right. We all need something to love. It's true. And that is the counted church, and you found that you said that will love you. We've traveled a lot of miles in the last five, six years. But you've got the inner circle, and whatever that circle is, you've got the answer. He is the king for a reason, and that's why we follow him, because we we can only see in part. Um, Oh, yeah.
let's let's pray and then we'll we keep talking if we want to like we always do but father we thank you for your love god we thank you for who you are we are so grateful god that you have supplied us with a book that contains so much about you god that we have more knowledge and understanding today than we ever have before in history and god that you allow us to open this and and to read your stories and to read about you and understand your attributes and who you are. And God, that the love that you have for your people. So Father, we are so grateful for that. So Father, every time we open this book or our computers or our tablets or our phones, Lord, I pray that you would speak. Every time we go to searching for you, God, I pray that you would speak. God, as we hunt for you, Lord, let us find you. God, let our life always be a hunt for you. Let us seek first the kingdom of God. Let us be that everyday God. God, light a fire within us to know who you are and to become closer to you. God, I pray that you call us up that mountain. God, that we have the abilities to remove the sandals of our life and answer you when you call. Father, I bless you, and I thank you for this. May we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.